Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Praise God. Let's look at verse 22. And Jesus answering saith unto him, Have faith in God. Now, when we read this text, have faith in God, the way that we would normally, a lot of people would receive this is believe in God. Believe in God. Well, we believe in God, right? We believe in God. But the scripture is not saying believe in God. It's saying have faith in God. And I want to bring the thought to our understanding that he's identifying how to have faith in God, how to use God's faith. The Young Living translation says, have faith of God. Have the faith of God. The Passion translation says, Jesus replied, let the faith of God be in you. Let the faith of God be in you. So it's not just believing in God, but he's explaining here in context how he did what shocked them about the fig tree. They came to Jesus having seen him the day before curse the tree that appeared to have fruit but didn't have fruit. It had leaves on it, which was an indicator it should have had fruit. It said Jesus was hungry. He went to the tree. He saw that it had leaves on it. He went to reach under the leaves for the fruit, and there were no fruit under the leaf, no figs there growing. And so he cursed the tree and walked away. And the next day as they're coming by, they have seen the results of his words. They have seen... the of his that tree the tree did exactly what he told it to do and Jesus stopped and said have the faith of God let the faith of God be in you in other words this is not a God trick that I learned in heaven and only me the father and the angels know how to do this this isn't something that is set apart from you it's something that you could do too You could do this if you'll use faith. You could have these results if you'll operate faith. Have the faith of God. Use the faith of God. Operate the faith of God. Enact the faith of God. And then verse 23, he begins to describe how to operate God's faith. So the footnote in the Passion Translation said something that I thought was interesting to help us to identify this point it says it is possible to translate the greek text as an adjectival phrase the godlike faith have god's faith have godlike faith i think that's important because a lot of times people would read verse 22 and just stop with believe in god or just just believe god have you ever had somebody tell you you know just believe god 
just believe God. Well, that's good if I know how. But if you tell me just believe God and I don't know how, then you have left me at a loss, <laughs> at a disadvantage. Because for me to believe God, I need to know how to believe God. How do I do it? Do I just, do I just uh, cast down imaginations? Do I just tie a knot at the end of the rope and hold on? Just how, how do I believe God? How, but he's not saying just believe God. He is saying use God the faith of God, use God's faith. God's faith is available to every believer. God's faith is available in the new birth. We have the capacity. We are now, we have been outfitted in the new birth. You're born again, a new creation, a new being that never existed before, a new species of being. You are a new creature in Christ. In you and I, we now have the engines that are designed to, for the fuel of faith. You know, if you have a, a diesel engine, you can't put gasoline in it. If you have a gasoline engine, don't put diesel in your gasoline engine, right? You, you've got to have the fuel that's designed for that motor. Your spiritual motor is built for faith. High-octane, pure God faith. Your spiritual motor is designed. And, and so when you fill up, <laughs> when you fill up your tank, you are now capable of getting the same results. Jesus is saying, what I did you could do. Yes. What you've seen happen with this fig tree can happen with things in your life that are hindrances, that are obstacles. You could say to this tree, you could say to this mountain, and that's what he begins to say. Let's read verse 23. He says, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. And so now we have given a command, whoever, whosoever will say. And in that saying, it's a command. It's a, it's a specific directive. Who will say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. Well, we know Jesus spoke to this tree in this story. We know Jesus spoke to the wind and the wind obeyed him. Yeah. We know he spoke to the waves and the waves obeyed him. Yeah. He spoke to a fever and the fever obeyed him. Yeah. There was a woman who had a fever in her body. Peter's mother-in-law had a yep. fever in her body yep. and Jesus spoke to it and it left. Yep. He reprimanded and rebuked the fever yes. and the fever left. It obeyed his voice. Yep. If a fever will obey a voice command of faith, then cancer, a tumor will obey yep. a voice yep. command. Yep. If a fever will obey, then high blood pressure will obey. Yes. Yes. Amen. And he said, you can use the faith that God uses by speaking out of your mouth to a situation, to a circumstance, to a thing. You can tell it with that voice command of faith. And this is the key. You shall not doubt in your heart. He said, whosoever will say, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. The word... It means to, um, to uh, vacillate, to vacillate between. 
And so he says, you've got to be persistent. You've got to be steadfast. You've got to remain with what you said. Like Pastor says, let, if you, uh, let it stay said. Let it stay said. Uh, that's in his first, in, in the book uh, uh, about um, first words matter, last words stand. And it's all throughout his new book, uh, Every Day is a Faith Day. If you, let it stay said. If you make that command, let that steadfast command remain in place. Don't take it back because of the way it looks. Don't change your declaration because of how you feel or what the circumstance is like or, or situations that are temporal. But allow that faith to have a steadfast flow and a continued uh, uh, presence against that situation. He said, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. Shall come to pass. So I've got to believe the things I say, not just in prayer, not just in a faith moment, not just when I'm asking or commanding, but I've got to believe that my words have power all the time. I've got to believe if, when, when I first began to learn that my words have power, uh, I had a family member who, uh, it's a southern colloquial expression, uh, and, and this family member would say, oh, well, honey, that tickles me to death. And I tried with everything in me to get that, please, that tickles you to life. It tickles you to life. It tickles you to life. Uh, but they were just programmed, you know, without even thinking about it to say that tickles me to death. But I started saying things that um, were different than the way I'd said before. I, because I realized I want that to come to pass. I had to discipline my mouth so that the, I believe the things I say come to pass. When you begin to, to be responsible for all the words that you say, we, we would get done with church and all of our kids were little. All of our kids were little. And so uh, we had somebody at the church that after church they would come to us and they say, hey, we're going to go out to such and such restaurant. Do you want to go? And uh, we were counting. No, we don't want to go. <laughs> for us to take our family out was you know, double what it took for them to take their family out to dinner after church. And so what I always said was, oh, we don't have the money to eat out. We don't have the money. And I kept hearing myself say, we don't have the money. We don't have the money. We don't have the money. And I said to pastor, I said, I'm, and this was, you know, early in our, our marriage. I said, I'm going to find something different to say. And so the next Sunday I got up before church and I put a roast in the crock pot. And so when they came to me and they said, do you want to go out to eat? I said, I've got a roast in the crock pot. <laughs> and I started having to plan my Sundays. I got a lasagna ready to go into the oven. I, it, it, I'm talking about food on a Sunday morning. Have mercy on me. But I'm telling you, I had to, I had to work. I had to be wise just to have a different thing to say. I didn't want to say I don't have the money. And I didn't want to, uh, you know, try to make excuses that weren't valid. So I, I just prepared to say, I've already got my dinner made. It's in the oven. I got it in the crock pot. I've got it ready to go. We're, we've already got this plan. And that way I didn't have to say, I don't have the money to go out to eat. I had to begin changing so that I could believe the things I say come to pass. This in verse 23 is a picture of a person who is, this is 
this is an optimum application of faith. This is, when, this is what we all want to attain. This is where we all want to be. This is how to effectively work faith. Amen? Amen. And so when we look at this, we recognize, okay, I believe the things I've, I say come to pass. I've got to practice or develop to a steadfastness in faith so that I don't vacillate, so that I don't, I don't come off of what I believe because something changes or because of a temporal circumstance. I've got to develop these things, and as I am highly developed in faith, I'm going to see a greater effectiveness in my faith. All of us can do what Jesus said in this verse, but it's not going to happen just because you wake up one morning and say, I'm just going to do it today. This is, there are different steps of this that have to be, you have to become proficient, skillful. I mean, you've got to learn how to cast down imaginations if you're going to not doubt in your heart. You've got to learn how to let the peace of God that passes all understanding guard your heart and mind if you're going to learn how not to doubt. There are different aspects that you know where they're all found? Walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. Every one of the skills that we need are available to us in this walk of, of, of the Spirit walking in line with the leadership of the Holy Spirit, listening to Him, letting Him correct us if we're allowing our thoughts to get over into worry, letting Him correct us if we're spending too much time uh, feeding on carnal appetites. Woo! Hallelujah. Need a Billy Brim moment there for just a minute. Woo! Hallelujah. You, because because oh, He knows us. He knows us and he knows what it's going to take for us to be able to be proficient in, in faith as well as walking in love, uh, uh, responding to the voice of the Spirit. We, we, he knows what we need to be spending our time, our attention on. And so these are all skills that as we just continue daily in obedience to his leading in the word, letting the light of the gospel shine upon our path, we will gain proficiency. Amen. Amen. I, I want to take a moment and let's look over at Luke 1. Luke 1. And let's read verse 37. Luke 1 holds the story of the conversation when the angel came to Mary with the instruction of God, the word of God about her carrying, about Jesus being conceived in her womb and her carrying the Son of the Most High God. And this encounter sometimes gets lost in the Christmas story, but I want us to see what happens with faith in her life as she responds to the plan of God for her life. Amen? Amen. Verse uh, 37 uh, is a phrase in this thing that the angel states, and it's not... The angels are, are simply delivering... angel is simply delivering... God's word to her. This is written in scripture. It is God's word 
verse 37, for with God nothing shall be impossible. With God nothing shall be impossible. Now, he has just told her that she is going to conceive supernaturally the Son of God. He has told her about what's happened with her cousin Elizabeth, how she has conceived in her old age. Uh, uh, and uh, she was barren. And so that there's a supernatural uh, conception that has taken place in her, that her womb that was barren was now made uh, whole and her and her husband had uh, John had a baby John the Baptist we know uh, who who he ends up uh, uh, being and and so the angel is bringing this and then the angel says with God nothing shall be impossible in the original language this word nothing is a three word phrase it's 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 a three uh, it, it's like a compound declaration this word nothing. And if you were to look up each part of that word, that phrase, it says this. No, not, cannot, each, every, any, all things, everything. And then it has the word rhema in there. Rhema, that which is uttered by the living voice. So he's saying no, not, cannot. No, there is an absolute negative there. An absolute negative. Absolutely cannot happen that everything, anything, all things that God speaks, the rhema, the word he speaks, no, not, absolutely cannot, it is impossible that everything God says, every word God utters, that every promise God makes, absolutely impossible that it not come to pass. It's a really emphatic word. It's a really emphatic statement. I mean, for this to be such a small phrase in the Bible, with God nothing shall be impossible, the words used to uh, uh, build this statement are emphatic words. They are uh, limit-breaking words. They are, are establishing truth words. With God, with God, every word, every promise, all things that He utters with His voice, it's impossible that they not... No, not possible that they do not come to pass. I want to read some different translations. The Weiss translation says, For in the presence of God, no word shall be impossible. No word shall be impossible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, this, you could say this was an um, injection of faith for a woman who needs to believe that she's going to have a child supernaturally that into her womb is going to come a word and a child is going to be birthed because of the word that comes into her womb. This was the faith injection for her to receive it. With God, every word 
is possible of fulfillment. The Amplified Classic says this, With God, nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God shall be without power. No word from God shall be without power. Every word of God has power. There's not a word that comes from God that is empty of power or impossible of fulfillment. No word from God shall be impossible of fulfillment. In other words, if God says it, He can do it. If it comes out of His mouth, He can bring it to pass. If He utters it, there's already power in it. This is the key to faith for you and I. This is the key to faith for us because I don't have to get myself healed. I have the Word and He sent His Word and He healed me. In God's mind, He didn't send His Word to heal you. He sent His Word and healed. Past tense. It's done. Why? Because He said it. Because he already put the healing in the word. He already put the deliverance in the word. He already put the breakthrough in the word. He already put the strength in the word. He already put the peace in the word. If you need peace, get you some, some peace scriptures. Because the peace is in the peace scriptures. If you need joy, get some joy scriptures. If you need faith, get some faith scriptures. If you need... They're, they're, but why? Because he's already placed in the container of the word the necessary components to bring to pass those things that are promised in it. And, and the instruction. If you are having a hard time forgiving somebody, there's power in the scripture. You can get the scripture from Mark 11 where we just were previously where it says if you have ought against any, forgive. And you can put, there's enough power to forgive in that scripture that if you'll put it in your heart, you'll have the capacity to forgive. Because if he instructs you to do anything, the power to do it's in the instruction. He instructs you to forgive, the power to do it is in it. If He instructs you to walk in love, to turn the other cheek, the power to turn the other cheek's not in me. I had to go to the Word to get that power because it wasn't in me naturally. It was in me naturally to get the last word in. To have to gloat when I was right. I told you you should have turned back there. You didn't listen to me. I mean, I would just wait to hear you were right. I had to go to the Word to get, and in the Word, the power to operate the God kind of love was available. Hallelujah. Sister Pat Harrison talks about how that God told her to take 1 Corinthians 13. And he, he said, you go through all of those definitions of love or those descriptions of love, and you say, Jesus is kind, Jesus is. And she said, I didn't have any problem with that. 
I could see Jesus operating the love of God perfectly. And then he said, now I want you to go through and put your name. And she said, when I started putting my name, I had a hesitation because, you know, she would say, you know, Pat is kind. Pat is long-suffering. And she said, there were some things that I didn't feel like was, that was a, a, an appropriate description of me. But it became the, as she allowed the, the contents of the word to be released in her spirit. Amen. So here we see this, this faith injection with God, nothing shall be impossible. No word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. When we allow the word to do the heavy lifting, when we, when we take the difficulty and we take the, the adverse situation and we, we begin to put the pressure onto the word. Put the pressure onto the word. Don't take the pressure on yourself to try to make it come to pass, to try to get yourself healed, to try to, to meet your needs. Put the pressure on the word. Hallelujah. With God, with God, all, nothing shall be impossible. Let's read Luke 18 and verse 27. Luke 18 and 27. And he said, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I think about the importance of a local church and the importance of learning how God works before difficulty comes. I've shared this story before, but it holds a key to something that will help you. There was a, um, a family in a church in Birmingham, Alabama. My friends, Pastor Scott and Phyllis Webb, were pastoring that church. And uh, he, was, he was sharing this at a Faith Christian Fellowship conference uh, about the importance of prayer in the church. But I got so much more out of it when he told this story. This family had come to the church. Their parents actually started coming, and it was a young couple, just had their first baby. They, they were coming with the mom and dad to the church. And, and one day, the woman was cooking on the stove, and she was frying something in a skillet with grease in it, and it caught on fire, and so it started smoking. And she had the baby in the baby carrier on the kitchen table. And as she grabs the hot skillet full of grease that is now smoking and preparing to take it to the door to get the smoke out of the house, she slips and the entire skillet full of grease lands on the baby and melts the baby's skin. They, of course, rush the baby to the emergency room, the burn center 
into the IC, the NICU, the, the, the prenatal uh, intensive care, and the church, and the church are coming to support the family, and they begin praying. And uh, in this, now, now listen, the doctors say your child is burned throughout its body. The skin has melted off this baby's body. There's not enough skin for us to do a skin graft from another part of the body to replace what's been burned because it's burned over 90% of its body. And they began to say, there are things that melted. Be a father. It was a little bit. Never have a normal life. It will be covered in these scars. It will be covered in, there's no way for us to get the skin to grow back. And they're telling them there's no hope. That, I mean, there for the first few days, they weren't even sure the baby would live. And that was the first thing the prayer team began to do. The prayer team began to say, what do we need? Well, we need the vital signs to become stable. So they began to pray for the vital signs. They began to pray for, for the internal organs and for the baby to, to, to come out of the shock and to re, be recuperated, you know, enough for them to start treatment. And then when the treatment, and you know what? Within a couple of days, they began to see a turnaround. The baby started to respond, and, and the vitals became uh, uh, stabilized. And, and, and so they said, what do we need to happen next? And they go into the doctor, and they say to the doctor, what do we need to help our child to recuperate and to be restored? And they, they kept telling them how impossible it was. How impossible it was. There are things that have melted off your child. There are things they're never going to have a normal life. They're never going to live. They're never going to play sports. They're never going to you know, have normal skin. And all of these things that they kept saying was impossible. And finally the doctors set them down and got kind of blunt with them and said, Listen, there are no skin buds left on your child. For It's like going out into the yard and... and and dozing off, you know, six foot with all of the grass, there's no grass to grow back. It's all mud. It's all dirt. There's no grass there to grow. You've mowed all the grass up. Well, this grease has burned all the skin buds. There's not any way for your child to reproduce skin. And they said, skin buds? We need skin buds? Is that what we need? We need skin buds? And that, No, there are none. There's none on there. We can't skin graft anything to make new skin buds to grow. There are no skin buds left. They're gone. They said, we need skin buds. And the church team started telling the parents, we need skin buds. We're going to pray for skin buds. And they began to pray for skin buds to appear on this child. And the doctor said, it's impossible. There are no skin buds. But two days later, they came back and they said, this is, this is the wildest thing I've ever seen. There are skin buds forming where there were no skin buds before. Because what is impossible with man? Now, now, I say this because, listen, if we go into a situation and, and we don't know to trust God beyond what we're capable of, beyond what man can do, people will shut the door to the power of God. People can shut the door to the power of God. And they can say, they can get on the phone and they can report. They can call everybody in their family and say it's impossible. Our child is going to have, have uh, uh, scars all of his life. They can, they can get on and, and, and cooperate and establish the report of 
say, we're going to ask God for skin buds. <laughs> we're going to ask God for something that the doctor says is impossible, but God made his body, he can make skin buds. And, and if we don't have at least a, an open heart to the impossibilities of God, uh, the, the things that are impossible with men, for God, there's not anything impossible for Him. Amen. There's nothing He cannot do. Amen? Amen. That child completely recovered. Went to school. Play, graduated high school, played football, complete recovery. And, and that was the report, graduated high school. I don't know if he got married or what, but he, complete recovery, went on to lead. And the, the doctors, with men, it was impossible. They were telling what they could do. They were saying it's impossible. Uh, there's a family in the Kansas campus, uh, and and... When their, their son was born, the doctor said, um, there, his heart is not strong enough. He doesn't qualify for a heart transplant. There was something in the way that, that his heart was weak. His heart was underdeveloped. There was it's the things that they were saying was wrong with his heart. And they, this is in the children's mercy. I mean, they were specializing in children. And they said, there's nothing we can do for your baby. And they told Joshua, take him home and enjoy the last weeks that you'll have with him. Just go ahead and take him home. Take him off the life support that we've got him on and enjoy the last days or weeks that you'll have with him because we can't operate on him. There's no medicine we can give him to fix this. There's nothing we can do. And he called pastor. And he said, this is what the doctors are saying. I mean, they're crying. They're new, new converts. I mean, they had only been saved you know, and, and attending the church maybe a good six months when, when this happened. And so, you know, they're trying to get their lives on track with God and, and, the, and their first child and the doctors say, there's nothing we can do. His heart is beyond our help. Take your baby home and enjoy the last days with him. And so, you know, pastor is listening to it. He's retelling me and, and, um, he, you know, consoles him and comforts him and he gets, and I'm, I'm like, Lord, and, and I'm praying, Lord, what do you say? You know, what do you say? You know, if you think pastor's got all the answers, the only answers we got that's any good is the one we get from the Spirit of God. <laughs> it's from the Word, yay, thank you. It's from the Word of the Spirit, right? And so I'm like, Lord, how do we answer that? And it just came up in me. It was the Lord. It, he just came up in me. They can't tell us what to believe. And I, I, I turned and told Pastor, I said, they can't tell us what to believe. We can believe God for, for his heart to be. And Pastor said, give me the phone. He called him back. He said, listen here, Joshua. They can't tell us what to believe. They, that young couple took hold of that. That child is alive and well today, and now they have their second baby. Hallelujah. They can't tell us what to believe. He said, he, he, when the doctors would come in, of course, they got him in NICU. You know, they, when the doctors would come in, he would say, thank you, doctors, for all that you're doing. Thank you for supporting him. I want to keep 
there connected to the life support because his heart is going to get better. We believe that his heart is going to be fixed. And they were standing on that scripture, my heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. And, and so they, and of course, we had had heart scriptures from where we had stood with our first grandson. And so we were giving them the scriptures that we had shared with and he shared uh, and, and they uh, began to stand on those scriptures and believe God's going to fix his heart. God's going to fix his heart. His heart is fixed, Amen. trusting in the Lord. And, and his heart is fixed. What the, what the doctor said was impossible. Praise God. No, there's no slam against them. We're grateful for what they can do. We're grateful for what they can offer. But they're not my only hope. They're not your only hope. What is impossible with men... <laughs> is possible with God. There's not one word of God that's impossible of fulfillment. Every word of God has within it the capacity to fulfill itself because God hardwired it in the word. The word is hardwired with the power to bring itself to pass. Hallelujah. Matthew 19, 26. Matthew 19, 26. But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible. There are things that with, in the human capacity, they are impossible for, the, for people, for the natural aspect. But with God, all things are possible. So now we have in two places, this testimony that all things are, are possible with God. Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heaven and the earth by your great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for you. There's nothing too hard for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We need to know Him like this. We, we need to remind ourselves. God could... God is powerful. God can do that. There's nothing too hard for Him. If, if the enemy comes against your mind and says, well, look how that person is living. You're, you're believing for them to be saved. And the enemy says, look how they're living. And look at all the decisions they've made. And look at the road they're walking. And look at the, There's nothing too hard for God. God knows how to, to, to minister to them. He knows how to send laborers across their path. And you know what? Then you just begin to put your trust back over onto God. Put, put your eyes over onto Him. Yeah. Amen? It's all about what we're looking at. It's all about what we are giving our attention to. If we're giving our attention to God and His greatness and His faithfulness to His his covenant to a thousand generations and we're looking at Him, His character, He's good. He's, he's good. He's, he's loving kind. He's, he's tender mercies. When I began to look at him and I, I began to see that God can't lie and, and, and we began to meditate on the right things, then we'll see there's nothing that's too hard for God. Amen? Look with me. Uh, at, go back to Luke 1 and, and let's look at verse 38 and, and we'll see our part. 
God is capable of bringing His Word to pass. There's not one word from God that is impossible. There's not one word from God that is not already designed and equipped to, bring, to be fulfilled. Our part is the holding on to it. Our part is the receiving it. Luke 1, 38, Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So when the word is presented, our part is the proper receiving of it. Be it unto me. Now because we are designed with authority and because our words can authorize or deauthorize something in our life, even to the point that for you to be saved, you've got to believe with the heart and with the mouth confess Jesus as Lord. It's not just, well, I believe in God. Have you authorized Jesus' Lordship with your voice by, by verbal authorization, I give Jesus authority to Lord over my life. I submit myself to Him. Amen. Amen. So our, our words can authorize. And for her to receive this word that has been presented, she verbally signed for it. Be it unto me. Let it be unto me. Let it be unto me. The book of Job, I think it's chapter 23, says you can decree a thing and it shall be established for you. Decree a thing and it shall be established. She, she decreed, let it be unto me. And it was established in her life what God had spoken. So the receiving is our part. The rhema, the word that God has spoken, is full of power to be performed. The Word already has the power to be performed. If I have the Word, I have the fulfillment because it's built into the Word. Well, I don't see anything yet. I don't need to see it to have it. I just need to have the Word. If I have the Word, I have it whatever the Word says. And that's why the man in Matthew 8, the centurion who Jesus said, I have not found so great faith. That man said, speak the word only. Don't come to, you don't need to come to my Speak the word only. Why? Because I'm a man under authority. I'm a man in authority. And when I say go, the word go has enough authority in it, to, they go. When I say come, my word has enough authority over their lives that they come. When I say do this, my word transfers the authority and they do it. So speak the word only. Because I know in the word there's enough power, there's enough authority, there's enough healing, there's enough restoration, there's enough miracle power. If I have the word, that's all I need. And Jesus said... I haven't found this kind of faith anywhere else. Faith in the Word alone. So the highest kind of faith takes is, is only requiring the Word. I don't need to see it. You know, Thomas, he said, I will not believe unless I can see 
and put my finger in and put my hand in the hole in his side, then I'll believe. So that faith requires a seeing and a feeling. But Jesus said to Thomas, don't be faithless, be believing. Blessed are those who have not seen but believed. Blessed are those who, who aren't requiring the natural evidence of feeling and seeing and, and, and the symptoms have left my body and I see a change in that person's life. I'm not demanding those things. I have the word. I have the word. I have the word. God said. God said. Be me. She received the word. She received the word. Let's look at Mark 4 where Jesus was teaching about the word and the different heart conditions. He referred to it with a parable of a seed going into different types of ground. And then he explained that the word of God is going into different types of heart conditions. Different conditions of the heart. There was a wayside soil, dirt, ground. That wayside ground was hard packed. It was like the ditch on the side of the road. It was like the, the turn, turn row in the garden where the tractor's wheels are. It's packed it down. It's not very receptive. The word just lays on top of the ground on hard packed ground. It just lays on top of the ground. It doesn't go down into the ground at all. It's just you can see the word and the birds of the air could come right away and pull that seed up. And, and in Matthew 13, he explains that the wayside soil is where they heard the word but didn't understand it. So the lack of understanding caused it to stay right up there off the top where the enemy could take it. And so he goes on and he explains there's a type of heart where there are offenses, easily offended, rocks, stony ground, where it looks like the word is growing until trouble comes and then they get offended at the word. I thought this tithing thing worked. I, it's not working for me. Look what just happened. It's not working for me. Easily offended, let go of the word. The growth of the word stopped. Hallelujah. And then there was a type of soil that it says, was like choked out with thorns that it began to grow the word began to grow in this person's life but the deceitfulness of riches the desire for other things and the cares the worries the anxieties of this life choked it out and so those none of those brought forth anything from the word of God the word was present in each of those conditions but ineffective in all of those. Yeah. Wow. But Mark 4, 20 identifies the ones that received the word. The one that received, just like Mary said, be it unto me. I don't have to understand how all of this is going to... I don't have to have all the details. I don't have to have the ins and the outs and the full disclosure. Be it unto me according to your word. Mark 4.20 says it this way. These are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word. They all heard the word. They all heard the word. But they hear the word and receive it. 
They hear the word and receive it. The receiving is important because it's not, it, it goes beyond the hearing. It goes beyond just hearing it. The word receive in the Greek language means to acknowledge as your own. To acknowledge as your own. Hallelujah. To acknowledge as your own. My husband bought this for me. He gave it to me. And it's been in my possession ever since. He gave it to me. And if you were to walk up and see it on the front row and you were to say, whose notebook is that? That's my notebook. I acknowledge it as mine. It's mine. Amen? Amen. To acknowledge it as your own. To receive it. it. I keep it with me. I, I keep it in my possession. I mean, I don't carry it with me every time I walk out of the house. I, I keep it in a place that those are mommy's books. I, I don't just leave it, you know, haphazardly in odd places. I know where I can find it. Yeah. It's either going to be with my Bible over why, because I've acknowledged it as my own. Mm-hmm. When the Bible says uh, in Proverbs chapter 4 that you are to attend to the Word because they are life. The words are life. The words of God are life to those who hold them in their possession. It says find them, but the original Hebrew word means to find and hold in possession, maintain possession of it. There are people who have let it slip, like Hebrews 2 warns, to give more earnest heed, give more earnest attention to things that you have heard at any time you should let them slip. Why? Because you've got their life, their life unto those who find and hold in possession. All of these heard the word. The wayside soil heard the word. The stony ground heard the word. The thorny soil heard the word. And none of them held the word in possession until it became fruitful in their lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you and I, the good ground, we're the 20, verse 20 people. We're the good ground. We hold it in our possession. We receive it and say, that belongs to me. 1 Peter 2, 24 is mine. It's mine. It's mine. You got, you got a 1 Peter 2, 24? I got one too. Hallelujah. I'm, I've acknowledged that as, as for me. You know, for you and I to receive what Jesus purchased on the cross, you have to take it personal. You have to say, Jesus died in my place. It's that personal recognition, that faith that when he died, he died to pay the price I I owed. He died the death for me. He took the stripes for me. The emphasis on Isaiah 53 is surely he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our He did it for me. I take it personal. I acknowledge it as mine. He took the stripes on his back for my healing so that I could live every day of my life free from sickness and free from disease. Thank you, Lord. He did it for me. 
And then when we come to the full confidence, we can tell he did it for you too. What he did for me, he did for you. Praise God. Receive it. So the receiving is more than a hearing. It has to become an ownership, a recognition that this is mine, that this belongs to me because Jesus purchased it with his blood. This belongs to me because he rose from the dead and made me the head and not the tail. He defeated death, hell, and the grave, and I'll never die. If I exit my body, I'll still never die. I'll live forever because I'm an heir of eternal life. I have inherited already. It's in my possession. Eternal life is in me now. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, I don't fear death because I'll never die. Amen? Amen? That's personal. I I, I take that as my possession. I have possession of that. So the receiving then means to acknowledge as one own as one's own. It also, the definition, to take with the hand. To take with the hand. Well, you can, but you can't reach your fingers out and pull 1 Peter 2.24 off the page and hold it in your hand. How do you take 1 Peter 2.24 into your possession? Well, God gave our spirit a hand. Your spirit, your born-again spirit has a hand and he provided a sword for that hand. You know, in Proverbs it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. The word power in the Hebrew language means hand. Death and life are in the hand of the tongue. Your tongue is the hand of your spirit. You can take 1 Peter 2.24 with your tongue. You can pick it up and hold it in your possession. How do you know you still have it in your possession? Is it still in your mouth? If it's in your mouth, you're holding it. If I've got it in my mouth, I'm holding it. Jesus is referred to in the book of Revelation... A description is given of Jesus on the white horse of faith and it says on his side is the name, the word of God, but in his mouth there's a two-edged sword. The two-edged sword's not in his natural hand. The two-edged sword's not around his waist on a belt scabbard. The two-edged sword is in his mouth. Because God provided the sword of the word to be in our mouth. That's how you resist the enemy. It is written. It is written. It is written. You take the sword, put it in your mouth, and resist. Take the sword, put it in your mouth. In the same way, you can promise and hold it in your possession with your mouth. Let's continue in Luke 1 at verse 45. Luke 1 verse 45. 
And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Now, the word performance is in indicating what's in the Word. In the Word is the power to fulfill or perform itself. Every word of God is possible of performance, of fulfillment. Amen? Amen. Amen. The Word received with faith into the heart will be performed. The Word received in, in our life. In other words, the Word is available, but it's not operative in everybody's life. Only the lives of the people who are receiving it, who are saying, Jesus died for me. There, I mean, he, he made salvation available for whosoever. But there's a lot of whosoevers who haven't called on His name yet. They haven't taken that. They haven't received the gift of salvation. They haven't received the blood shed for them. They haven't received it. There's a lot of people who haven't received the gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. They haven't received it. Why? Because they don't believe it's for them. People who don't believe that God still heals, they're not going to receive it. They're not going to get a random healing that goes against what they believe. Because the believing is required for the receiving. Jesus said, Whatsoever you shall desire when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have. So believing is the requirement for the receiving. I've I've got to bring my faith to that and say, I believe that. Hallelujah. And that believing opens up the heart. It says, blessed is she that believed. You could say that about yourself. Blessed is Mary who believed. Blessed is James who believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told me from the Lord. Hallelujah. Why? The believing is already in place. It's already established. Look with me at Mark, uh, I'm sorry, Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4. Our receiving is what enables that word to have its work and fulfillment in our lives. Hebrews 4.12. Praise God, praise God. For the word of God is quick. We don't use that word quick in the same way that they did in the King James. It it means life-giving a quickening power, a bringing to life. The Word of God is quick. Uh, It may be the Amplified that says it this way, uh, full of power to achieve results. Full of power to... The Word of God is full of power to achieve results. Hallelujah. So there's a working of the Word in our life. It's not an automatic... Just because we're saved and own a Bible, there's a working of the Word. There is a, a applying the Word, a standing on the Word, a keeping the Word in our eyes and ears, keeping the Word as our focus. Why? Because the Word is what has the power to achieve results. It says the Word of God is 
full of power to achieve results. A living, active power. There, God doesn't own an empty word. He doesn't own one. He has never said a word that is void of power. It has never come out of His mouth and found incapable of producing what He said. Hallelujah. Let's look over at Isaiah. Uh, let me say this. Full, quick and powerful. It's a living, active power. That word is talking about a, a living power, an active power, a power that is consistently at, at, at work, a power that's consistently moving. While you're asleep, the Word's working for you. Amen. While you're driving down the road, the Word that you've been standing on, that you've been praying about, that you've been releasing your faith over, that Word is at work. It is moving. It is consistently energizing and activating that circumstance, that situation to bring it to pass. Amen. It's a living, active Word. Hallelujah. Isaiah 55 and verse 11. I know these scriptures are, many of them are familiar to us. Uh, and that's good. Isaiah 55, let's look at verse 11. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. The word will not return to him without having achieved the desired result. God sends his word to achieve his results, to, to accomplish his will. If you want to know what the will of God is, it's in the word. When he wants something, he says it. If he wants something to come to pass, he says it. Why? Because that's how He brings it to pass. Amen. He doesn't, he, God doesn't use words for communication as its first role and purpose. Creation, forming the world is the first thing that we see God using. And the, the, the law of first mention identifies that the first time you see something mentioned in the Bible, that sets the precedent for how it's to be interpreted throughout the Bible. The first use God shows of words, God said, let there be. God said, let there be. God said. He used words to form and create. Then He used words to bless, transmit the blessing. Third was communication. He began to communicate with Adam and Eve. So you and I are created in His image. Communication should not be our main priority and preeminence of the use of words in our life. Communication should fall down on third. The first thing that our words are for is to create the will of God to come to pass in our life is to speak God's will over our family, speak God's will over our body, speak God's will over our finances. That's the first use of words for us, to call what God has designed for us to come to pass, to call those things that be not as though they were. Hallelujah. That's the first, and, and we should be proficient in that. We, we are all going gung-ho after that objective. Amen? Because we want to walk in His footsteps. Imitators of God. The second thing is use your words to bless. 
Bless, bless, bless. The power of, of, of the blessing words will always negate. Jesus said, bless those who curse you. Why? Because they can send a curse. And, and there can be power in their curse, but the power in your words of blessing will nullify it. Why? Because the blessing is stronger than the curse. <clears throat> Hallelujah. So if, if you design and discipline your words to be full of blessing, to bless other people, that'll take away complaining. That'll take away criticism, fault finding, judging. All of those things that God encourages us and instructs us to not do. Amen. If our mouths are so full of blessing for each other, for our fellow neighbors, for our fellow believers, if we're full of blessing, speaking the blessing, we're imitating God. And we're filling our words with power. And then third is communication. But notice what he says here. My word does not return unto me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. The word will prosper. The word will prosper. The word will prosper in the thing it's sent to. There needs to be a sending of it. There needs to be an applying of it. There needs to be a distribution of the word over our lives. We got a lot to say, don't we? We got a lot to say. But when we say something, we're not just saying something. When we say something, we're changing things. We're creating things. We're developing things. We're establishing things. We're decreeing things. Amen? So these words will prosper. This word prosper is an interesting word, and I want to give you the definition uh, because it will identify how what's taking place when you're speaking the word to your your circumstances the word prosper means to push forward to push forward to break out come mightily against to go over or cause to prosper i'll give that to you again it's to push forward Push forward. Come mightily against to go over or cause to prosper. So God says this about His Word. He says, my Word will push forward against those limits and those hindrances in your life. It will break out against that obstacle. It will come mightily against the curse that's trying to encroach upon your life and trespass upon you. It'll come mightily against the high pressure. It'll come mightily against the the physical attack. It'll come mightily against those migraines. The Word will come against them. The Word will come against them. The Word will come against them. It will go over. The Word will cause you to, to go over that thing that's holding you back. And it will cause you to prosper. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Jeremiah chapter 1. It's one of my favorite examples of how uh, God deals with His Word. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 12. He has asked a question 
of Jeremiah. He said, what do you see? And in verse 12, uh, uh, or verse 11, he said, I see the rod of the almond tree. And the Amplified kind of makes that clear. It, the, the rod of the almond tree. Can you show me the Amplified of verse 11? He said that almond tree represents an emblem of alert, alertness and activity. An emblem or a, a representation of alertness and activity. Hallelujah. He said, I see the rod of an almond tree. And the Amplified says, uh, the emblem of alertness and activity blossoming in late winter. So it's significant. He sees something that represents alertness and activity. And God said, that's me. That's my word. That's my word. You have well seen. Look at verse 12. You have well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. I will hasten my word to perform it. The Amplified says, I am alert and active watching over my word to perform it. Hallelujah. If we are holding the word in our mouth and God is watching over His word then we've got a fulfillment of what He wants in our life. We've got a coming to pass of His will in our life. If, if, we've got the, if we've received it and we're holding the Word in our mouth and we still have possession of it and He is consistently alert and active, watching over to make sure that Word we're standing on comes to pass, there's nothing impossible for God. Nothing will be impossible with God, with God. It didn't say for God. With Him. Amen. That's where we are. We're with Him. Amen. I didn't come to this dance alone. I'm with Him. Yes. I didn't enter this race alone. I'm with Him. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm with Him. And with Him, nothing is impossible. With Him, all things are possible. Hallelujah. Why? Because He is alert and active watching over His Word. God is faithful to His Word. He is a covenant-keeping God with a covenant mindset. And as we recognize that covenant mindset, we will see that it is impossible for God to, to not fulfill His Word to us. That's why when He swore in, to Abraham, Hebrews 6 says that He could find no greater to swore by, He swore by Himself. He swore on who He is as God on His character, on His being, He said, surely blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply. He swore it. Why did He swear it? Why didn't He just promise it? He said because He wanted it to be so clear cut and understandable that with the promise and the oath, it won't change. His promise to bless us hasn't changed. His promise to bless and multiply us hasn't changed. He swore it as well as promised it so that the immutability could be evident. The unchangeableness could be clearly seen. The, the steadfastness of this promise sealed with His oath on who He is as God that we are blessed in Christ.
We are heirs of the blessing. Do you know what the blessing is? Romans 4 says the blessing that you'll be the heir of the world. That's part of the blessing. Heir of the world. That means we're in charge here. We're in charge here. Father, we bless the city of Little Rock and the surrounding communities. We release the blessing. We bless the United States of America. We release the blessing. We are in charge here, Father, because of your goodness and your covenant. And we declare peace reigns. We exercise our authority against any operation of lawlessness. You will not operate in these communities surrounding Little Rock. You will not destroy or divide. But Father, we thank you that you provide peace. And we pray for peace to reign. And we declare the Lordship of Jesus and the blessing of God over the United States of America and over our communities. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, and we enforce that blessing upon our streets and upon our homes and upon our places of businesses. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, I pray for an opening of eyes to see I pray, Father, for there to be a, a glory um, that shines brilliantly in the lights, uh, in the hearts of people. Let the light of the gospel shine. Let, let the righteous sow the seeds of righteous words, of faith words, of peace words. Thank you, Father, for a diffusing, a diffusing, a diffusing of the plans of the enemy. A diffusing. Every evil work comes to nothing. But God's plan be exalted. Let the word prevail. Let the word prevail on the lips of your people. Let the word prevail in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we take the limits off of you. We see that with you all things are possible. And we pray, Father, for there to be a mindset, a new perception in our hearts that we see your plan and we see, we see your possibilities. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God.